You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. I'm going to say that for a while. Still in quarantine, but this is the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Sean McChesney. We're your hosts. We're going to change it up a little bit today, CJ. We, we want to have a little bit more of a positive episode. And I said this, well, maybe positive, maybe a little more fun, at least for us being creative, I guess. I said on last week's edition of the show, we were talking about the revival. And I said, I want to do a list of the top 10 stars that should have never left NXT. So that's what we're going to spend today talking about. Um, so here's how it's going to go. We're going to get right into it, but this is how we're going to do it. We're each going to go down 10 through 1. So CJ will say his number 10, give his explanation why. I will comment on it, then I'll give my number 10. If my reason why, we'll kind of compare and contrast, and then we'll go 9, 8, 7, and so on, all the way down to number 1. CJ and I, I've, I've seen your list. It's very similar. I have a few changes in mine. Um, we don't know what our final top 10 are for each other. So we're going to read them on air. We're going to find out when you find out. So DJ, I'm going to allow you to start. Who is your top? Who is your number 10 on superstars? You should have never left NXT and why? Well, real quickly, I just want to give, um, a quick honorable mention to one Chad Gable. Oh, okay. I just want to, uh, he doesn't necessarily make my list because there are a lot of other people with a bigger impact and I feel like who have been hurt pretty bad. Um uh I I give an honorable mention to Chad Gable because he was a guy who's just been so badly hurt by the main roster booking of WWE. Um and he was in one of the best tag teams in NXT's history with Jason Jordan of American Alpha and the guy is just one of the best wrestlers in the world, and he's just like the second coming of Kurt Angle of being in the ring and such and very funny too, if you let him. Uh, right. Which it breaks my heart just to see that they change him into freaking Shorty G and they just put him in a few with Baron Corbin. And the more I talk about this, the more sad I'm going to get. So I'm just going to stop. <laughs> um,. Some people may say, like, Chad Gable is a pretty suitable person to have on your list. I'm like, well, how I base this was how each person slash tag team was booked on NXT to the main roster, uh, how their booking has been throughout their time on the main roster, and kind of where they are currently on the card. Uh, so I did the best I can with this. My number 10 is Robert Roode, or as an NXT, he was known as Bobby Roode. Um, so how are we doing this, Sean? You, are we, we both saying, I'm talking about my pick, you talk about your pick, what yeah, kind of so, compare that? so you talk about yours first, and then I'll kind of comment on it, and then I'll talk about mine. Okay. So Robert Roode, or known as Bobby Roode, came into NXT, I think, in 2016. Yeah, he made his debut at TakeOver Dallas, being in the crowd. Still, one of, if not the greatest theme song uh, in modern-day WWE. Unfortunately, wasted because of nothing being done with Robert Roode. 
remember when he came in, he really brought a different approach to NXT. He be, he became more of a character wrestler. Not that and not that he's not good. He is very good, but he was able to implement such the the corporate heel type thing. He said he wanted to change NXT. He wanted to get investors involved and and make it a a more profitable uh, company business. Um, I mean, he was fairly popular. I mean, everybody sang to his theme song, even though he was a heel. Um, he had won the NXT Championship from Shinsuke Nakamura, a takeover San Antonio. Uh, he held the championship all the way to take over Brooklyn three until he was dethroned by Drew McIntyre. Um, you know, he, and earlier on, he was in Dusty Classic, Dusty Road Tag Team Classic with, with, uh, formerly, uh, Ty Dillinger, now Sean Spears, uh, uh, where they betrayed, where Brood betrayed, uh, Dillinger in a match in Canada, um, where, I think it's TakeOver Toronto, where uh, Rude won the opening match. And it was clear that they were setting up uh, Bobby Rude to be the next NXT champion, or the next contender for the NXT championship. Um, His NXT run was absolutely fantastic. It was great. He had great matches with Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, He had a very good TV view with Roderick Strong when Strong was a babyface. And then he went to the main roster, and he smiled all the time for some reason. And apparently he was a babyface. I was there for his debut, and I got excited. But then, if I knew what came to be, I probably wouldn't have been. <laughs> um, I think we could. I think we could say that for a lot of the guys on our list. Yeah, um, and you know, he had a he he's had a decent time in the main roster. He's he's a former U.S. champion. He he uh, fought for the title at WrestleMania in a Fatal Four Way. Um, he he's been tag team champions a couple times with Dolph Ziggler. I know that's weird. Uh, he's been tag team champions with another guy, former guy on this list. Well, my honorable mention, Chad Gable. Um, but he hasn't reached the uh, potential that everyone thought he would reach when he got to the main roster. And I guess I'll let you go, Sean. Who's your number 10? Well, first of all, I agree with a lot that you just said there. And Robert Roode is on my list as well. He's not number 10. Uh, but when I do get to him, it'll be for a lot of the same reasons that you said. This may surprise you. And this was kind of a last minute change on my list. But after watching Raw on Monday, I had to include this guy. My number 10 is Apollo Crews. That's the reason for that's that, it pick. is. The reason for that is we were there for his debut at uh, TakeOver Brooklyn 1 in 2015. and Against Ty you know, he against Ty Dillinger, and he had all the characteristics to be a future, maybe not a future top guy, but somebody who could be relevant on the main roster. He had a very good NXT run. Sure, he never won the NXT championship. He did have a match with Finn Balor for it, obviously. Um, He was very popular in NXT. They did some good things with him. And when they got, the minute CJ, he got to the main roster, nothing. They never gave him anything. And after watching Raw on Monday and him having that US title match, and they basically wrote him off TV after that, and that he wouldn't compete in Money in the Bank. It just, it rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. I I feel like Apollo Crews has been wrong since the minute he got on the main roster. Hasn't really done much. He's had a few feuds here and there with Dolph Ziggler and all that stuff, but there's there's been nothing really ever since he left NXT four years ago that has made me excited for him to be in the WWE. And for somebody that's so athletic as he is, somebody who's probably very good on the mic if you just let him talk, no, I really think they rubbed him the wrong way. And then, and obviously, there's not much really to go on. That's why I had to put him at 10. Um, but I did think he deserved a spot on this list. So my number 10 is Apollo Crews. 
I mean, Apollo Crews, he didn't really do much in NXT for me, and he still hasn't really done much in his WWE run overall. Um, I kind of get why you put him on your list, but to me, I don't think... I think there's plenty of other people who have been wronged by the main roster who are in NXT. Oh, we're going to get to him. We're only at 10. I know, we're only at 10, but um, Apollo Crews isn't bad. I I don't know... I don't. I. I. I'm a little more optimistic with him uh, right now because it seems like he's probably going to feud with Andrade for the U.S. title at some point. Um, that's what I think. I think the injury is probably a work, and then he'll probably like be. He's possibly the injury is definitely the injury is definitely. If you didn't hear anything about surgeries or anything like that, it's definitely a work, and they wouldn't interview him backstage if it, if it wasn't a work. Yeah. Um. But I, I, it's just for for me, CJ. It's like just to write him off TV like that when he has all this momentum going into Money in the Bank. Possibly, I, I didn't think he was going to win Money in the Bank, but you could hold out hope that he might, right? And then they just write him off the pay per view. It it rubbed me the wrong way, and it just got me to think about his whole WWE run. And that's why I added him. I'm like, you should have never even been close to leaving NXT. I think he, he could have done a lot. I think he could have done a lot more in NXT if he had a little more time. That's he, my main point here. He was a call-up that was for sure way, way too early. I remember when he got called up the night after WrestleMania 32. Um, I'm like, Apollo Crews? Okay, cool. He's on the main roster, but it's really early. He hasn't really done... He didn't really do anything in NXT. He's, had, he's only he's, in NXT six months. He was on a couple TakeOver shows, um, and that's about it. But um, he's a guy who's really go back. But... um. I think Robert Roode is, um, just in my opinion, is he's one of those guys who isn't necessarily worse off or who wasn't who didn't have who hasn't had a bad main roster run, but his NXT run was so much better. Agreed. I guess we'll move on to number uh, nine. Nine. Uh, my number nine is uh, Neville slash AKA Pack or um. So, Neville, when I first started watching NXT, he was the NXT champion. And he, uh, I remember watching my first NXT takeover I watched. Um, well, I didn't watch the whole, I remember watching it one night, uh, the Fatal 4-Way takeover. But the NXT takeover that made me fall in love with NXT and all, pro wrestling all over again was um, takeover, the one with, where, where um, Sami Zayn and Neville had that amazing match where like Sami was like the Daniel Bryan of NXT. Um, that was a rival. A rival, yes. That NXT takeover is one That's of when my. That's when Kevin Owens debuted. Yes, Kevin Owens debuted the heel turn. Uh, I believe Balor had the uh, the demon paint, and he teamed with Hideo uh, Hideo Itami against the Ascension. Yeah, that was the debut of the demon. So, a lot happened. My show, excuse me. <sighs> so, I have him on here because. At one point, he was the longest reigning NXT champion until Finn Balor beat his uh, championship reign. So he gets called to the main roster, and he's in a superhero cape. And I'm like, okay. And he was originally Adrian Neville. And you know how Vince McMahon loves to change names? Like, nope, you're Neville now. Um, so he goes in, has a, okay, he's doing all right to start in the main roster. But there are rumors everywhere that he wanted to be a Vince wanted to put him in a Mighty Mouse costume. I'm like Jesus Christ Almighty. The main roster of Neville wasn't all so bad. Um, 
he had an amazing WWE Championship match against Seth Rollins where everybody was convinced he won the title. I was convinced he won the title when I watched that match on Raw. But the brilliance, like, after he hit the red arrow, now the black arrow, uh, pinning Seth Rollins, one, two, and the referee's hand was just about to hit three, but Seth, the tip of Seth Rollins' boot was on the rope. It really, it did make a star performance out of Neville, and you really thought he was going to win the WWE Championship. But through mixed match and somewhat booking, he was out for an injury for a while. He was never really utilized to his full potential uh, until he turned, he came in, turned heel, and won the Cruiserweight Championship. Him being a two-time Cruiserweight Champion, and... But the thing was, they only wanted him to be work with the cruiserweights. They never wanted the cruiserweights to work with anybody else, and that was a big, big problem with the cruiserweight division on the main roster on Raw and SmackDown. He eventually left the company, uh, uh, walked out, and breach of contract. His contract was frozen for years. Looking at it now, he's in AEW, and he's one of the top guys in the company. So maybe it's a good thing that he left. NXT because he would never would have left WWE in the begin with, and he wouldn't be in the position he's in now. Nation, go ahead then. I agree a thousand percent. I have Neville at nine as well. Um, and the reason I don't have him higher really is because he did have, you know, he had a great NXT run as you. He did have a decent run with the cruiserweights. And now, of course, he's with AEW, he's one of the top guys. I would have had him a lot lower, or a lot higher, excuse me, if he was wronged even more. Uh, but the idea that it's like, yes, when he got up there, you know, he wasn't utilized to his full potential. When he turned heel and won the Cruiserweight Championship and dominated that division for, oh, what, maybe even almost, how long was it? Maybe seven, eight months? He was a so, dominant Something like that. Dominant champion. I mean, he was their top guy, obviously. Now, looking back at it, walks out of the company, goes to AEW as Pac, one of the most dominant guys in AEW, has given us some classic matches already in the near one-year history of the company, one year meaning their first show. Obviously, that's coming up at the end of the month. So he's not higher on this list because he did have some bright spots in the WWE, even though despite his run was more or less mediocre, CJ. It could have been a lot worse, and it has been a lot worse for the rest of these stars that I have on my list. But I agree with you a thousand percent. I also have Neville at number nine. Yeah, uh, he was good. He was really good, and I believe he left in like late 2017. I mean, well, he walked li- out after SummerSlam. Yeah, I remember because I remember he cause I remember he won the cruiserweight title back from Akira Tozawa at the pre-show of the SummerSlam. I was at that SummerSlam, and there was like they didn't let the crowd in early enough, and like the first yeah. match was contested to almost no people. <laughs> like you have the Hardys yeah. and and the Miz in the in the ring there, and there's like almost nobody there. Just the cut that passionate promo the next night. Yeah, he did. Anyway, so my number eight is Finn Balor. Ooh. Um, yeah, Finn Balor. I think a lot of people would think he'd probably be a lot higher. Uh, he's not for a few reasons. For one, in in his NXT debut, well, when he started in NXT, he was you know formerly the former Prince Devitt, former leader of Bullet Club. He was had a big big following in Japan and in the indie scene, uh, internet internet scene, I should say. Excuse me. Um, 
coming in with oh, damn with demon paint. Um, you know, everybody had seen that he he, he did this uh, with the, just some kind of paint in Japan. It, it never had any meaning or any character, but he just he just did it because it was just cool. You know, dressing up like like Carnage and Venom and yeah. the, the Joker and all these different characters, and it was cool. When he first came in, Triple H saw, uh, asked him about the paint, and he's like, you know, he's like, we kind of like to have like characters here, so this this could be like a different character for you if you want, like the dark side of your personality. And for a while, it really worked. I mean, the demon was undefeated in NXT up until he lost against Samoa Joe in a steel cage match for the NXT Championship, which Finn Balor won the NXT title from. Um, from Kevin Owens at in Japan, and he held it for a long time. And at one point, he was the longest reigning NXT champion, one of and arguably the best NXT champion. So, he had a really great run in NXT. Great matches, you know, with Kevin Owens, with Samoa Joe. Uh, he had a great match with Shinsuke Nakamura before he left in the Dusty Tag Team Classic. Uh, Finn Balor's NXT run, uh, you can arguably say, was much. He was booked better than his WWE main roster run. It was definitely uh, a top three run in the history of NXT. Yeah. He is a lot lower on this list because as a decorated champion on the main roster, in kayfabe sense, he is a, better off than a lot of other people in this list. I mean, he's the first ever universal champion, even though nobody really remembers. Two-time Intercontinental champion. He, uh, i trying to think if he's, if he's done anything else other than that. Well, you got to remember, he would have been better a better Universal Champion if he didn't get hurt. Uh, I, it's possible he could have been squat, uh, could have been fended. He well, he at least would have had a title defense. Yeah, um, it's it's sad because I think after that night they kind of found him to be injury prone and never really gave him a, sh- a real shot. Um, he didn't really do all too much. Uh, There's too much significance. And I, I mentioned he was the first ever Universal Champion. And I mentioned that he's a two-time Intercontinental Champion. And he won the Intercontinental Championship from Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania that we went to. And I don't even remember that happened. Like, every time I think about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, Balor won the IC title at Mania. I, it oh, just, it was second to last. It, it was, was also like midnight at that it, point. It was so late. I'm just like, I can't even get excited for a Finn Balor demon entrance. Uh, and the demon wasn't really used a whole lot, and the reasoning for that apparently is Vince doesn't want to waste it. But you know, it's like when you have this character where Finn Balor taps into his alter ego, and where he re- and in a pinch he needs a, a boost in his matches and an, an advantage. He taps into the dark side of his personality. You know, he used it for a lot of big matches, like he used it against Seth Rollins for, to win the Universal Championship. He surprisingly used it one night to throw off Baron Corbin at SummerSlam. He used that it, was pretty cool. It was. Um, he used it against AJ Styles, which was awesome. But you're going to have a match with Brock Lesnar, the Universal Champion. You're fighting for the championship that you never lost, and you want back you the Royal Rumble. And you and you're not in a kayfabe sense. You're not going to use the Demon. You're not going to use the... You'll use the Demon for Bobby Lashley for the Intercontinental Championship, but you wouldn't use it for Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble? Well, your argument for that, and it made sense, was Vince didn't want to waste the character, and Brock was going over anyway. Yeah, but in a kayfabe sense, it doesn't make any sense for him to not use it. So well, you're you can, right, right you because bu- he got his ass your, kicked. Right. You booked yourself into a corner is what you did. So, right. 
Looking at Finn Balor now, he's been in a better position. He In the summertime, he returned to NXT. He turned heel. He had a very good feud with Johnny Gargano. Um, up until fairly recently, he was supposed to be feuding for Walter, uh, with Walter for the NXT UK Championship, but it seemed after this week on NXT, that storyline has kind of been scrapped because Finn Balor was supposed to have a match with Velveteen Dream. He got attacked, apparently, and uh, uh, Eichner and Bartell attacked Timothy Thatcher and Matt Riddle, uh, staking their claims to the NXT Championship. I guess that story's kind of been put on hold since Walter's stuck in the UK. But overall, I think Finn Balor is at my number eight because he had a great run, his first run in NXT. Um, a, a good, okay, as far as a championship standpoint, a kayfabe standpoint, but um, he just wasn't booked properly in the main roster. And But now that he's back in NXT, I have a lot more hope. So... And the other thing, too, with, with Walter, I mean, they're going to revisit that storyline and I've, travel restrictions are lifted and this is all over. That's not over yet. I think that's um, why at least they're hope. probably saving for it. They're, they're yeah, putting- obviously. So I agree with everything that you just said. And in that same breath, I have to say, Finn Balor is not on my list. Really? The reason for that is you just said it. He went back to NXT and they fixed it. I agree with you. His main roster run... Mediocre, not his fault, management's fault, obviously. Uh, his NXT run the first time was one of the best. I said top three, no doubt. And I do think his injury was was the main reason why his main roster run wasn't great. Now, we'll never know what would have happened after the Universal title win if he was healthy, of course. But it definitely would have been better than what it ended up being. The reason Finn isn't on my list is I just said it. He went back to NXT. They put him in a great feud with Johnny Gargano. They made Finn Balor relevant again, and they turned him heel, something we've been waiting for since he debuted in the WWE. They finally turned him heel. They they literally said, be you, and now he's one of the top stars in NXT. Now, when fans come back and he's able to feud with Walter for the NXT UK Championship, you can expect that to be a match of the year candidate. There's no question about it. So the idea that they fix the biggest wrong in the modern history of the WWE is the one reason that Finn Balor did not make my top 10. Interesting. I just felt like he was so badly booked on the main roster that he had to make my list. CJ, if he was still on the main roster, he would have been number one for no doubt. But the idea that they brought him back and they fixed his character while there was still time is the reason he didn't make it. So for my number eight, this is where I have Bobby Roode. Um, I think when it comes to his NXT run, like you said, NXT champion uh, was a great heel against Shinsuke Nakamura, was a great heel in that TV feud against Roderick Strong, poked all the right buttons in that feud, Um, dropped the title, honestly, at the right time to Drew McIntyre. He didn't overstay his welcome, but I still felt like there was more left for him to do in NXT. Maybe one more feud with... Um, Drew McIntyre, and even if you didn't want to do that, why do you turn him face two nights later on SmackDown? It never made sense to me. Um, and like song. you said, exactly. Vince heard the theme song, and he's like, oh, everybody's singing the theme song. He's a babyface. Stupidest reason I ever heard, but anyway. Um, he was over as a heel. I don't think he was as over as a face. Sure, he won the U.S. title, which is the reason that I put him a little higher on my list at eight, was he... he did win some gold. He won the U.S. title, won a couple tag team titles. Did I think that he could have been a world champion in the WWE? Absolutely not. But the reason he is higher on my list is because of his name, because of his TNA run, because of, of how dominant that he was over the course of his career. Um, 
did I wish he did a little more on the main roster? Of course. Uh, that's why I have him a little higher than 10. I have him at number eight in this spot. Yeah, I, I look at uh, Bobby Roode, Robert Roode, and he was obviously much better off in NXT, but I think he's like, I think out of all the people in my list, to me personally, I don't think he's hurt that bad. I, it would be great if he becomes WWE champion or whatever, universal champion, but I don't think it's going to happen at this point. Which really sucks. Yeah, I wasn't gonna put a, when I look when I thought about this, I wouldn't put him anything lower past eight because he wasn't hurt that bad. He's still a big name. Everyone knows who he is. Um, it wasn't like the WWE totally wrong. Then believe me, we're gonna get to those names in a second. But I didn't want to put him anything lower than eight. But I didn't think a ten was the spot for him because again, they could have done a lot more with him. Hmm. So well, anyway, let's move on to number seven. My number seven is Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn was, like I said with Neville, was one of the guys who really got me into NXT. Sami Zayn is a babyface, and NXT is his best work in the company overall. I know he's doing some really, he's done some great heel work in the past couple of years, but um, Sami Zayn is an underdog fighting babyface is the best version of Sami Zayn and will always be the best version of Sami Zayn. Thousand percent. Um, when he won the NXT Championship from Neville, it felt like it almost felt like I don't want to say indie version of Brian winning the title at Mania. But it felt like the the same energy was there in full sail. Also, got to remember he promised to retire if he lost the match. Oh, it had a, it had that stipulation on it too. Well, I'm about but retire, but he said, but he said, but he said, but he said leave NXT. All right, like, but moral leave. of the story was Neville was the heel in the match. I mean, there was not one person in the building rooting for Neville. He, yeah, he, Neville wasn't the official heel, quote unquote. No, no but, but but no but one he, was rooting for him. No, but he did, but he he did kind of act like a heel in the bit. And I remember what in the match, and I remember watching and thinking like Neville would be really great if, as a heel if they let him be. Which I was glad that when they turned him heel eventually, um, the match was emotional. You were pulling for Sammy win the title. He he is definitely a person who is better as a babyface to be chasing a title rather than to have a long reign with it. Um, some ca- yeah. some people just fit that character. You know, Brian fits that. Johnny Gargano fits that. Sami Zayn fits that. They all fit the better underdog babyface chasing for the championship. Um, title run. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, you know, the a big uh, part of what made NXT to what it is today. You know, and he was one of the rare crop of people who were not only working NXT but were also working the main roster at the same time. Which to him leading to one of my favorite. Is it my favorite? It's one of my favorites. We'll have to make another list for that. One of my favorite NXT matches ever against him and Nakamura at uh, Takeover. Uh, his last match, yeah, uh, Takeover Dallas. Takeover Dallas. Like it was. I knew it was going to be good. But I had no idea it was going to be as good as it was. And to this day, it is still Nakamura's best match in NXT, in WWE, in his entire WWE run. It is Period. His, yeah. still is his best match. Um, And, you know, when you get a chant like fight forever, a first time happening in a match like that, 
Like it just goes to show how good you are. And and it was really just a match that they just put together. They were like, Shinsuke's coming in. You're leaving. But what a way to kind of pass the torch. Yeah, they. Uh, Sami Zayn commented and said like, you know, they never really touched until then. They like he said he's like we sparred a little bit, but he's like, but a lot of that was called out in the ring, and like that's that's that is amazing. Two guys who that's like, a testament who, to their characters, just how good they are, how both right. so damn good they are. Sami Zayn now, I mean, you could say he's a little better off, kind of. Um, he he turned heel. And uh, saving Kevin Owens in a match against Shane McMahon. Him and Kevin Owens had a great series of matches on the main roster. Um, he, when he turned heel, him and KO had a bit of a an alliance. They are a brief tag team. They faced Brian and Shane McMahon at WrestleMania 34 in Brian's uh, return match. Um, currently, he's the Intercontinental Champion, uh, and he has heels like Cesaro and Sami Zayn around him, and it doesn't make much of any sense. And um, and he wrestles like a manager rather than Sami Zayn, which really pisses me off. I know he's a heel, but you can still be a heel and still be really good. You don't have to be a chicken shit heel like everybody else. <laughs> like almost everybody in the main roster in WWE, if they're a heel, they have to be a chicken shit heel. They have to be for some reason. Almost, but but uh, Drew McIntyre was one of my heels. He was anything but that. Yeah, and, and right now. There, there are only a handful of guys who stick out to me as non-chicken shit, and that's like Rollins and and the Fiend. But Sami Zayn is at my what is this number seven? Um, he'd be higher, but there are a lot of the people who are who've been wronged way more. Interesting. I have Sami on my list. He is a lot higher on my list. I'll get to that later. My number seven is the Revival. Oh, um, these guys are higher for me. And you see, we're just twisting and turning here. You see, this is why it's nice to have different lists, have different opinions. The reason mainly that they are number seven for me is because all they have been wronged in the WWE, they have had flashes of success. Blood tag team title reigns. You know, obviously their tag team in NXT, one of the best, maybe the best tag team in the history of NXT. There's no question about it. Um, And they've really gotten their name out there in the WWE. There's no question about that either. And I almost felt like they used themselves kind of to get that leverage to get to the next level. You remember before their first Raw Tag Team title win, they were walking out of the company. They are walking out before they won anything. Yeah, a week before all, they asked for the their release. Before, and then they won the tag the titles before, next week. The week before they asked for their release, the next week they're the Tag Team Champions. And they did great work as the Tag Team Champions, there's no doubt. They also were booked pretty shitty in the process. Um... So I do have them a little lower on my list because of that. I can understand why you have them higher. Believe me, they were wronged. They have had some flashes of success. Don't get me wrong. They should have never left NXT. But they did have some flashes of success in the WWE, both Raw and SmackDown. They were the first tag team in history to win the SmackDown, the Raw, and the NXT Tag Team Championships. No other tag team is done it, I believe. Um, so that kind of goes... You know, in a way, I think, and making sure that they were a little lower on my list. I can understand why you have them higher, but for me, I have them at number seven. Excuse me. Not bad, but I feel like they were wronged way, way more. I mean, for me, the Revival were like, they're one of the best tag teams in NXT's history. You could argue them being the best tag team in NXT's history. Um, their, their main roster... Uh, uh, work was not necessarily what everybody thought it was going to be. 
But um, I'll get into more what I think about the revival in a little bit. My number five is Shinsuke Nakamura. You passed six. Oh, I'm sorry, six. My six is Shinsuke Nakamura. <laughs> I haven't fully woken up yet. Um, my six is Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, Nakamura, I was thinking to myself, he should be a little higher on my list, but I thought of it this way. When he came in, talking about like Sami Zayn before, he came in to one of my favorite matches I've ever seen in my entire life against him and him and Sami Zayn at TakeOver Dallas. Um, he had a great run in NXT. A lot of people argued because he was so, so uh, massively popular in Japan. And the the guy from New Japan Pro Wrestling, you know, a lot of people argued, you know, he should probably go to the main roster um, right away because he might lose steam on that. Well, uh, I didn't necessarily thought that was a bad thing. I thought it was better he went to NXT to start uh, to kind of get implemented to the WWE style. Um, he could kind of more or less be him. He could work his style in NXT. You know, you saw a great match he had with Sami Zayn, like I said. His matches with Samoa Joe. He had uh, he had some decent matches with, with uh, Robert Roode. Um, he was the guy, NXT. I mean, he held the title for a while. He was him and Samoa Joe being the only ever two-time NXT tag... Uh, I'm sorry, NXT, uh, two-time NXT champions. And, you know, he was he was a rock star. No pun intended, you know, WWE's rock star. He was a freaking rock star when he came out to the I- ring. Like, everybody just, like, freaking loved him. And he... Again, he could work his style in NXT. Once he got to the main roster, like the hype was there for him when he got called up. It was so there. And everyone's like, oh, man, this is going to be so good. Nakamura's in the main roster. Okay, we're going to get Nakamura and Randy Orton, Nakamura, John Cena, Nakamura and uh, Kevin Owens, uh, AJ Styles. That's the big one we wanted, AJ Styles, you know. We were building AJ Nakamura for a full year. Yeah. And you really think about it. And I'll talk about the good in his main roster uh, run. Um, here's the good: he won the Royal Rumble, and he had a, he was on he was in the WWE Championship match against AJ Styles at WrestleMania, and he had one of the best entrances in Mania history. I still that was get cool. I still get goosebumps when I watch it, and when I watch it, I think to myself. Why can't he be like this anymore? He is still so amazing. The things that really hurt him. One was the feud with Jinder Mahal. That was his biggest downfall. Well, maybe not. It was a start. It was a start, but you know what? He recovered from it and won the Royal Rumble. Yeah, he did, but it still hurt really bad. You're right. You're right. It should have never happened. They had the same match every single time. Literally, the same match. They come in, Nakamura does his offense, Jinder's a chicken shit heel, he tries to get away, he he, he, he does the same set of moves all the time, and then the friggin' uh, Singh brothers, the Bollywood boys come in, and they get distracted, uh, Jinder hits the Colossus, and that's it. The same match, every single it, effing time, and it It would have been better off, off having seat. They would have been better off having Cena in that spot. I, I'm dead honest with you. He should have never even been in that spot with Jinder. I mean, Jinder should never should have won the title to begin with. But that's a, t- a podcast. Oh, we, we can go. Well, that's another topic for a podcast. That's another topic for another day. But Nakamura got hurt really, really bad by this, and 
Eventually, yes, he did win the Royal Rumble. And he feuded with AJ Styles. He turned heel. And I'm like, oh, sweet. Awesome. A heel Nakamura. I'm so ready for this. But then we had a lot of punching in the dick and kicking in the dick and a lot of uh, no contests and a lot of de- disqualification finishes to their WWE Championship matches. I was at one of those pay-per-views at Battleground, I believe it was. The backlash. absolute... Backlash, sorry. The absolute worst wrestling show I have ever been to. It was horrible. The match ended in a double countout because neither guy could get up to the count of... De- so, it's setting up the last man standing match. I get it, but the thing is... You are making the fans feel robbed that they just watched this god-awful pay-per-view. You had one good match in the entire show, and the rest of the card sucked. It was horrible. Rollins and The Miz, right? Rollins and The Miz. That was the only good match. I remember watching him. I was like, yeah, this, this is, that was a great match. This is going to be a great show. Nope. It sucked. <laughs> it was effing horrible. I mean, to waste two of the best wrestlers in the world in AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura in a f- like, like only WWE could mess up a feud like that—a dream. Pretty feud. sure you, pretty so, sure you called me after you were like, "I'm effing angry." I was. People were chanting, "Beat the traffic!" during Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns' match. I'm like, I'm. I go to my my girlfriend and I'm like, there it was a birthday gift to her, and I'm like. Babe, we should go. Like this is this this is horrible. Like pe- like we're gonna get stuck in a lot of traffic, and and the match's not. Gonna, Roman's gonna win. I'm telling you right now, he's gonna win. She's like, no, I want to see the rest of the show because she she loves Roman Reigns, and like and that's what happened. Roman Reigns beats Samoa Joe, and he's useless. Brock Lesnar's not there, and and you can't have the WWE Championship match be the main event. But I I can see why because it's just a bunch of dick see kicking. See why? Because the finish, yeah. He's only real to me. He's had like one great match on the main roster, and that's against AJ. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Two great matches on the main roster. AJ's in both of them at uh, Money in the Bank a few years back, and then just recently at Survivor Series against AJ and, and Roderick Strong. So he is a guy with such huge fanfare and such a big following, and and just so goddamn popular and so charismatic that they effectively to now that he's one of Sami Zayn's lackeys. It just hurts me so much. I'm- I have Shinsuke on this list, not at six, but originally I had him at one until like last night. But then I started thinking back, you know, we did win the Rumble. He had a, a really good debut year besides the, the feud with Jinder. So I did put him a little lower on the list. Um, he's not at six, though, but he is coming up. My number six is Asuka. Um, oh, man. Asuka a lot of this, a lot of the same reasons as Shinsuke. You know, Asuka hands down. Next to Shayna Baszler, and actually, I may even say Oscar's better. The most dominant woman in the history of NXT. Um, undefeated, went undefeated for another six, seven months going into WrestleMania. And Charlotte Flair wins the Royal Rumble, and Charlotte Flair breaks the streak. Then, really, she's losing a couple of matches against Carmella. Not really, not really doing much after that. She wins the title back at the end of the year, only to lose it the week before WrestleMania. So Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, and Ronda Rousey can have the second title, their main event match. I felt Oscar was so wronged in that spot. She hasn't been the same since. Yes, she's won the tag titles with Irie Sane, but... And now she shouts know, in Japanese, that's her gimmick. Yeah, but you know, back to that run that she had late 2015 all the way through 2017 NXT. Look at some of the women that she's beaten. Ember Moon, Nia Jax, Bailey twice, um, just to name a few. You know, and then to get onto the main roster, be 
just as dominant at, on the main roster, win the Royal Rumble with ease, the first women's Royal Rumble, she can always say that, she won the first one, just to go into WrestleMania, have a classic with Charlotte Flair, might add, the match was great. Charlotte Flair wins the match. You were kind of like, okay, I kind of could have saw that coming, whatever. It's Charlotte Flair. Anybody's going to break the streak. It'd probably be her. And we're in New Orleans, for Christ's sake. So, of course, we're going to see another one. So, <laughs> after that, just completely went down the drain. And, and, yes, she won the women's title back at the end of the year. But even after that, just completely down the drain. When she lost her few both matches with Carmella, I was like, Jesus Christ. Um. So the reason that I don't have her a little higher on my list is for the reasons that she did have a lot of success on the main roster. Just very recently, within the last year or two, it really just started to hit a downward spiral. So my number six is Asuka. Well, Asuka is much higher on my list. Um, I guess we're going to go on to our top five. My number five is Bailey. Um, we talked about this the other day and kind of said, like, you didn't necessarily have Bailey on your list. Bit of a spoiler. Um, I still don't. And you still don't. And I know, and I kind of know who you have. I might know who you have in this spot. And we'll kind of compare and contrast. For me, at one point, Bailey was the biggest botched main roster uh, call up for a very, very long time. Bailey in NXT as a babyface is still. At her best, very similar to Sami Zayn, where her her main roster run has been a lot better as a heel. Um, whereas in NXT, like NXT, she was a she was a hugger. She liked being friends with everybody, but when push came to shove, she kicked ass. She kicked your ass, and you and I have been to one of the best wrestling shows we've ever been to in NXT Takeover Brooklyn One with oh, that classic so that classic Sasha versus Bailey. Takeover match, and I remember watch. I was watching NXT heavily, watching every single week. I remember like you know Bailey losing these takeovers, not getting her chance. And I'm just like, they gotta be saving this for a big, big show, for a takeover, and that's where Bailey will get her moment. And when I knew the match was announced, Sasha versus Bailey NXT Takeover Brooklyn, I'm like, that's it. Bailey's winning. She has to win. Um, she had a decent run with the championship. She faced Sasha twice. She beat Nia Jax. Losing the championship to Asuka, uh, leaving uh, TakeOver Brooklyn 2, and getting called up to the main roster uh, the night after SummerSlam, which I was there for, and I was so excited. The crowd was so hot for her, um, but it was kind of her main roster feud was kind of, uh, main roster run was, has been so-so, to say the least. You know, she did win the Raw Women's Championship, but she went in WrestleMania as Raw Women's Champion, and I'm just like, it would have been a lot better had she won the championship at WrestleMania. And then she gets to a few with Alexa Bliss, where Alexa Bliss beats her, and then they they have the god-awful segment of, Bailey, this is your life. One of the things that Bailey almost ne- took a long time for her to recover from, and almost ruined Alexa Bliss, too. It almost ruined Alexa Bliss. But they have this uh, kendo stick on a pole match, I believe it was, Bailey finally gets the kendo stick. Finally is able to get some retribution on Alexa Bliss for the horrible things that Alexa Bliss has been doing. And yet she looks at the kendo stick as if she doesn't know what to do with it. As if she's a child. 
They made Bailey a woman child. For God's sakes, she literally look go back, look at it. She looks the candlestick. She hesitates to hit Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss kicks her, I believe, and then she hits her with a kendo stick. Kids the Twisted Bliss or DDT, whatever it was. There's your winner and still women's champion, Alexa Bliss. And it took Bailey a long time to recover from that. She has eventually turned heel, and yeah, her her run as of as of late has been a lot better. She's she's the I believe the longest reigning SmackDown Women's Champion, two time SmackDown Women's Champion. She turned heel. I love her character. I love her entrance theme, um, and it's worked a lot better for her. But the thing is, I'm glad that she's able to. I, I'm glad she's able to adapt and change her character. But at the same time, there was nothing wrong with her previous character, and the main roster really, really messed it up again. Mm-hmm. So, or at one point in time, Bailey would have been my number one. But with everything else that has happened to other wrestlers that come up to the main roster, she's in my top five. Okay. Um, I guess I could just go to my number five. My number five is Sasha Banks. Um. And we'll kind of compare and contrast here. And I, and first off, I agree with everything you said about Bailey. In the same breath, the reason that she didn't make my list is because you even said in the beginning, where are they now? She's one of the most successful SmackDown Women's Champions ever. Now, I understand that her baby face run wasn't exactly the greatest, and it could have been a lot better. But she was able to adapt to a brand new character, and it works. Now, she's also the first female in history to win the SmackDown, the Raw Women's Championship, the NXT Women's Championship, Women's Tag Team Championships, and Money in the Bank. That doesn't come as, you know, you don't just give that to anybody, in my opinion. So, don't get me wrong, a great NXT run, babyface run in the WWE main roster could have been a lot better, but like you said, where are they now? He's a top heel on SmackDown. He's the longest reigning SmackDown champion in history, I believe. And there's really nothing really stopping her. I like the character. She was able to adapt to it very well. I remember the night she officially turned heel because she was kind of a tweener for the end of the summer into the fall. But the night that she officially turned heel, all she said was, hey, bitches, screw all of you. It perfect. And by the way, also not going to lie, love her haircut. think it makes her look a lot better. A lot of people disagree with me, but that's my opinion. Anyway... The reason that I have Sasha in this spot and not Bailey is this. Yes, Sasha had a great run in NXT. I believe, CJ, that we were there the night that it all started to fall apart for her. Great match with Bailey. Probably one of the best matches I'd ever seen. Best women's matches by far I have ever seen. It was awesome. She did the deed. She dropped the title to Bailey. She did it beautifully. No doubt in my mind. She's a four-time Raw Women's Champion. DJ, how many times has she successfully defended her championship? Zero. Exactly. They have done nothing with her as a champion. She won the championship four times against Charlotte Flair. All they did was trade it off between every Raw and every pay-per-view. Charlotte Flair would win at SummerSlam. Asha Banks would win two weeks later on Raw. Uh, uh, Charlotte would win in the first Hell in a Cell match, which wasn't as good as people say it was. Asha would win it again two weeks later in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Drop it again at Roadblock, end of the line. It's one of the stupidest pay-per-view names next to Great Balls of Fire. And Stopping Grounds, where we kick ass and, st- and take names. And, and, and Stopping Grounds. And, you know, a year later at SummerSlam, she wins the title from Alexa Bliss. Two weeks later, loses the title to Alexa Bliss. She wins the Raw Women's Tag Team titles again uh, with Bayley. 
drop them at WrestleMania, and then she walks out the door. Then she comes back, has a great feud with Becky Lynch. They do nothing with it. They've done nothing with Sasha Banks' character, and now she's Bailey's lackey on SmackDown. I will say this about Sasha. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to wrap up. I'm like, that's why I have her at five instead of Bailey. I think they have wronged Sasha more than they have wronged Bailey. If they had kept Bailey a face and done nothing with her, I might have both on the list. Because they have they fixed her character, that's why I have Sasha over Bailey at number five. I would say this thing is because Sasha has always been treated in higher regard than Bailey. Sure, she may have been she's won the Raw Women's Championship a bunch of times and they and she may have not been able to successfully defend the title. I get that. But Sasha has always been treated like the bigger star. She was at a marquee match in WrestleMania 32. She had a great feud with Charlotte. She had a great, like you said, a great match with Becky Lynch at Hell in a Cell. Um, she's had a lot of great matches, a lot of great feuds. And I say Bailey, and for, for Bailey, I really can't put her in the same regard as Sasha. I can't because I feel like they don't put her in that same regard as far as great matches. For me, I can't name too many main roster matches that Bailey has had that I'm just like, wow, that was so great. Sasha, I can. I can name a bunch of matches for Sasha. Almost every single match she had with Charlotte was nothing short of fantastic. Her match with Becky Lynch and Hell in a Cell was great. Um, she had a, a fantastic match. Uh, I don't know about fantastic, but a good match against Alexa Bliss at SummerSlam. She has always been able to put on a great match, and she's always been able to get the best out of everybody. Sure, she may not be able to. They always. She may not be able to defend the title every time, but she's always been treated like a bigger star and a bigger deal in higher regard to Bailey. So that's why Sasha didn't make my list because I feel like she can always bounce back. Whereas Bailey, it took her a much longer time to bounce back. That's fair. I agree with that. That's also another reason why I did put Sasha on my list because I feel like they could have done so much more with it. But that's the good thing about our list. They're different. We're comparing, we're contrasting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it would be a little boring if we had the same thing, 10 through 1. So mm-hmm. I kind of like this dialogue that we're having. Um, so we'll agree, to, we'll agree to disagree on that one, CJ. So why don't we get to number 4? Yeah, and I'm glad that we had Bailey and Sasha in the same place. We can kind of literally compare and contrast the two. So, because with, with both of them, I will say this. They're both mainstream stars. And when it comes to their NXT run and their WWE run, they both deserve the top five on that. Yeah, absolutely. So my number four is The Revival. Okay. Where do I even begin with this? Turn my mic off for a second. I'll just let you go. <laughs> the Revival, like I said earlier, arguably one of the greatest tag teams in NXT's history. At one point, argued all over the internet as to who's the best tag team in the world, the Revival or the Young Bucks. I think the Revival are one of the best tag teams in the world. I'm a big fan of them. Um, Their feud with... Uh, they had a great... Uh, sorry, sorry. They had a great tag team match. It's a takeover uh, Dallas against American Alpha. I re- recently rewatched some of that pay-per-view the other day. Great match. Um... Their classic feud was with uh, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, the revival versus hashtag DIY, um, culminating all the way to NXT TakeOver Toronto, where at a, two out of three a, falls match. Two out of three falls. Uh, an amazing match, two out of three falls. 
still one of my again another amazing tag team match and is it funny you 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 book tag teams to be tag teams and and uh, they they actually put on a great match and the best match of that takeover and one of the best matches of the year <sighs> so they went on and they they were still in the tag team division and still kind of here and there you know they eventually made it to all the way to NXT takeover Orlando it was a triple threat match against DIY AOP and the Revival Later on, the night after WrestleMania 33, they debuted uh, on Raw against the New Day, and they started off really, really strong. You know, they took out the New Day, they feuded with the New Day, and that took uh, made their claim that's like, "We're here, we're here to kick your ass, we're serious, you guys are silly, and we are the best damn tag team on God's green earth," which is probably it's a quote from Scott Dawson somewhere. So, their main roster debut, their, their time, you know. I think one guy got hurt, so they didn't use the other guy. I think it was Scott Dawson, uh, Scott Dawson who got hurt, and then Dash Wilder, uh, Wilder got hurt. Uh, so it was a lot of bad luck for those guys. You know, they weren't liking their booking. They weren't treated seriously. And like we said earlier, they asked for their release uh, the, after a match on Raw. The following week, they won the Raw Tag Team titles. As champions, they did some good things here and there, but... They were left to be like Baron Corbin's lackeys. Um, the one positive that I can't believe they actually they didn't even really go forward with was making a stable with them and Randy Orton. Like that, that would have been great. That would have really, really been great, and it was really great. You know, I really liked the build up between them and the New Day uh, towards the end of last year, and I think it's a big, big missed opportunity because I felt like that could have made them want to stay. Maybe, but who knows? But I think the thing that truly, truly hurt the revival more than anything was their feud with the Usos. Now you're probably thinking to yourself, the Usos, the revival, that's a dream feud waiting to happen. Yeah, if a normal, competent group of people were booking it, what's this WWE we're talking about here? It was the Usos acting like a bunch of children. The Revival were shaving each other's backs, which like, oh my god, they're shaving each other's backs. (sighs) Like, what's wrong with people shaving their backs? Some people need to shave their backs. And the Usos, like, putting it on camera, trying to make it, it, like, the, the Revival, to make them look stupid and embarrassed, and then they're like, I don't remember what, I remember the exact moment, but... One of the Usos just like, and we put Usi hot in your whatever and hit it in three, two, one. They're like, ah, Usi, ah. Like, it, that was the final nail in the coffin for me. And just like, they need to get out of the WWE. They need to get out. I just, oh my God. That, that was the one thing that hurt them the most. I don't understand why they didn't go back to NXT when they had a, a their last great match was against Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly on NXT TV, the the NXT before Summer, I'm sorry, Survivor Series, leading up to, you know, eventually they they recently just got released and they left. I'm so glad they are. Um, They're higher in this list because up until recently, their main roster booking has been atrocious. Their NXT run is so much better. And they're one of the guys, uh, uh, teams who... We should have been like, they should have had such, they should have been booked properly. 
more properly. Yes, they're multi-time tag team champions, and they're the only ones to hold the Raw, SmackDown, and NXT tag team titles. But if you're looking overall, they've been botched so badly. I would agree. And I understand why you put them higher. I mean, again, we have different opinions on it, but you're right. I mean, their end of the end of WWE booking was atrocious. But my number four here is this is where I have Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, guy that came over from and one of the hottest free agent wrestlers at the time. A fantastic, fantastic run in NXT. Match with Sami Zayn, his feud with Samoa Joe, his feud with Bobby Roode even to end his NXT run. And... Again, like we talked about, I mean, he had that successful year, and I think that the reason that he is a little higher on my list was they did do something with him. It was so big. It wins the Royal Rumble. He has the dream match with AJ at WrestleMania for the WWE title. Wasn't as good as everybody thought it was going to be, but then again, second match isn't always better than the first, obviously alluding to Wrestle Kingdom 10 when the two faced off for the IWGP Intercontinental title, which was one of the best matches ever. Then he turns heel in the process, which we're like, all right, it's a heel character. Basically do nothing with the feud after that. And then until the money in the bank match, the last man standing match, which was really good. And then not much after that. I mean, he wins the U.S. title. He wins the Intercontinental title. But now, like you said Oh, yeah, said I forgot earlier, he was U.S. champion. I completely forgot that. You mentioned it before. Now he's Sami Zayn's lackey. That really just rubs me the wrong way. I mean, you've got a Royal Rumble winner, a guy that would... Take your face off in a second. And all the qualifications, in my opinion, to be the WWE champion. Obviously, it was a stretch in the WWE. You know how Vince feels about, you know, wrestlers who can't speak English um, or can't speak it well. You know how he feels about it. If you're not from the he, U.S., you're a heel. Exactly. And all the qualifications in the world, be the WWE champion or the universal champion. He had everything there. And with the manager or something. Would have worked fine. Me to know that he could have been that guy. Now instead, he's just making sure Sami Zayn retains the Intercontinental title. That's why I have him high on my list. So I have Shinsuke at number four. Acceptable. I mean, very, it's valid. I mean, look, all of these are, it's not great that we have this list to begin with. We shouldn't have a list like this. We should be, trusting that when they're only going to move on to bigger and better things once they leave NXT, it's like, no, stay. Stay there forever. <laughs> so where are we at? Number three? Three. Okay. My number three is Asuka. I will say right now, the greatest NXT Women's Champion of all time. You could argue Shayna Baszler all you want. It's Asuka. No one has ever, I don't think any woman other than Charlotte, in WWE's history, has been booked to be so dominant, to be so... Just to hold a championship for that long and go undefeated. Like, that's something that they that they have never done with Charlotte. She's never held a championship for so long and has gone undefeated for such a long time. Asuka comes in... She goes undefeated, beats Bailey at Takeover San uh, uh Takeover Dallas. The crowd is shocked. Bailey passes out. She goes on to hold on the title until 
sometime in August of 2017. And then she later debuts the TLC pay-per-view, I think, against Emma. And I was convinced that at TakeOver Brooklyn 3, Ember Moon was going to beat her. But The whole world was. Because how much longer could she have had? She kicked out of the Eclipse, and everyone's just like, there's no friggin' way I just saw that. Asuka had great matches against Ember Moon. Uh, I believe Nia... J- Did she have a good match with Nia Jax at one point? I don't know. Decent. Yeah. Um, uh, she had a last man standing match against Nikki Cross on NXT TV. That match was great. You know... Her second match with Bailey at TakeOver Brooklyn 2 was... A- yeah, that was good too. So, looking back, her NXT career, it's like it's nothing we've ever seen before in WWE and the fact that she held the title for that long went undefeated for that long and um, credit yeah they did they were able to extend the undefeated streak all the way to Wrestlemania against Charlotte when she eventually lost there's nothing wrong with losing um if you're not after it's yeah it's what happens after the fact that she just looks so stupid not being able to beat Carmella Getting distracted by James Ellsworth in in Asuka's own clothing. Uh, when he's trying to wink and he can't even do that. The guy's just like, he's just closing both his eyes trying to wink and he's trying to move his head so the camera doesn't see that he's blinking, honestly. And that really hurt Asuka. A lot of lo- more losing, more losing. She wins the SmackDown Women's Championship. And then eventually loses it to Charlotte for no reason. Just to be like, oh, for all the gold, all the women in the main event. And we thought, you know, great women in the main event, but they're trying to make it as as marquee as possible. And just like, you don't... Buried Asuka in the process. You buried Asuka in the process. You went from the SmackDown she, Women's Champion 10 days before to the Women's Battle Royal pre-show 10 days later. She won the Imagine first... That. She won the first ever... Women's Raw Rumble. And it hurts my soul when I think about Asuka and where she is currently. She's shouting in Japanese. Just just shouding all the time. And I guarantee that's... So so remember the the year after she won the Raw Rumble. Let's go back to that Raw Rumble 2019 in Arizona. Opening match, she made Becky Lynch tap out. Yeah. I mean, she can be... Becky Lynch white hot at the time. She can be dominant. And there have been glimpses of that. But there is just so much more bad that I had to put her at so much higher. The longest reign... Is she longest reigning? I don't it's know either her or Shayna. It's her or Shayna, of, of one of the longest reigning NXT Women's Champions. But the most dominant NXT Women's Champion, I will say. Most dominant, I agree. And she's relegated to just dancing in the ring and shouting in Japanese and just... I don't know. It hurts my soul, and I can't keep talking about it anymore. <laughs> my number three, because I, I already did my thing. My number three is Ricochet. Oh. And there's a good reason for that. I mean, Ricochet was one of those guys where he came in, and you just knew that this was a star in the making. North American champion, obviously. I think he, if he had a little bit more time in NXT, could have been the NXT champion. Obviously, that was kind of overshadowed by... He, Organo and Champa rivalry that year, and obviously Champa being the dominant NXT champion that he was. 
the Ricochet, I feel like he was one of those stars that just had it. I mean, he came in at New Orleans, you know, he had a brilliant performance in that ladder match, had some great rivalries with Adam Cole, had a great rivalry with Vel- Velveteen Dream. And the reason that I have him at number three, CJ, because I knew they called him up, they were going to ruin him. This was a guy that if he had stayed in NXT, in my opinion, would have been the NXT champion. Given him another year, he would have had the belt. I knew if he went up there, and yeah, he won the U.S. title for Look how quickly he lost to AJ Styles, things like that. Um, he has done nothing. Now he's in a weird tag team with Cedric Alexander that kind of interests me, kind of doesn't. I'm still not sure yet. But reason that I have him so high on my list in top three is I knew if he left NXT, he was ruined. And this basically confirms it. So not really much more for me to say. He should have stayed in NXT. I think he would have been a great NXT champion. Never know now. He'll never be a world champion. At least not in the WWE. I knew he wouldn't be. I knew it wasn't going to be his fault. I knew it would be management. Just wouldn't be very high on him. It's my thing. Oh, and he got squashed by Brock Lesnar at, at Super Showdown. Hey, him. Oh, number three, I have Ricochet. Well, my number two is Ricochet. There you go. So who's your three? <sighs> my number three was Asuka. That's right. Great my num- my right, num- so number two. Go ahead. My number two is Ricochet. Ricochet just barely makes my number one. He almost made my number one until I remembered one one more. We're uh, have the same my, number one. Probably will have the same number one. Um, so Ricochet, like you said, I have been following Ricochet on his indie career. I discovered who Ricochet was with that... I'll say controversial match against Will Ospreay in um to say the least. in New Japan. If you go back and watch the match, just watch the match. The match is actually really, really great. It's hard hitting. Yes, there's some flips here and there, but that's not the story of the match, all right? It's not much of, ooh, I can outflip you. No. Ricochet and Will Ospreay are two of the best wrestlers in the world, and they are they have elevated and changed the game of high flying pro wrestling. And when he signed to WWE, to NXT, I'm just like, you know, a guy like Ricochet, I don't think they'd ever want to bring to WWE. But uh, he's in NXT, so I'm a little helpful. He had a really great run in NXT. He debuts in the North American title ladder match at TakeOver New Orleans. One of the best spots in the match where he does uh, a moonsault from a, a falling ladder... He doesn't even look back. He glances and flips <laughs> onto, I think, Killian Dane and Lars Sullivan. or Killian Dane or Lars Sullivan. One of the two. One of them was, I think one of them was pushing the ladder and the other one caught Ricochet. I'm just like, he didn't even look. Like, to those who didn't know Ricochet, I remember, I remember asked Joe, you know, a former guest of this podcast a bunch of times, I asked him, like, was there anybody, because he watched that takeover, I'm like, was there anybody to you who really stood out in that show or in that match? He's like Ricochet. And I remember him saying, him just bastardizing the clip of him and Will Ospreay doing the flip, and he's just like, he's. it's obvious he never saw the actual match. And I, I said to him, like, Ricochet really impressed you. He's like, yeah, he's like, I, I he's a guy, I've never really seen any of his work before, but he really, really impressed me in that match, and he continued to impress people. He eventually got into a few with Adam Cole for the NXT, NXT North American North American Championship, which we were there for. He moonsault 
uh, yeah, moonsaulted onto a friggin' super kick, landed perfectly. Like he makes that look so easy. He, the, the, the things that he can do, no human being should do. He is kind of like, I'm not trying to play into his main roster bullshit of like a real life superhero, but he is. I've said before, he is Spider Man. Him and Will Osprey, they're Peter Parker, Miles Morales, Osprey and Ricochet. He had great matches with Adam Cole and Pete Dunne. They had a great triple threat NXT TV. All three of them. War games, he... he you, When you think Ricochet can't go any more crazy, he does. You know what I'm talking about. Like, the backflip yeah. he does. Like, a, a reverse rolling 450. Did a lot of flips. I mean... The guy is absolutely incredible, and I have said he is one of the most exciting, most amazing wrestlers to watch. He gets to the main roster and it's all downhill from here for the most part. The beginning not so bad. I mean, he kind of he was kind of a makeshift tag team with him and Alistair Black, which they had a they were a pretty decent tag team. They had a good match against uh them, the Revival and I think Rude and Gable. Excuse me. At a fast lane before WrestleMania 35. Mania match was good. Yeah, they were in they were in the Mania match WrestleMania 35. That was good. Um but then he kind of wasn't really used. Yeah, he won the U.S. title from Smaller Joe. Made him look good. He lost the U.S. title back to AJ. Uh, well, lost it to AJ. Uh, okay, not bad. You know, Ricochet, AJ Styles. That's pretty good. Didn't really do anything that feud. Did really nothing to elevate him. Um, and then I remember he was relegated to uh, a jobber entrance for the Battle Royal at one of the Saudi shows. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And then... The thing that really, really hurt him. Brock Lesnar. Oh, God. My heart hurts just talking about this. A minute. Well, we thought they would, he would at least give him a decent match. Yeah. A minute and a half. A minute and a half. He got no offense in. He tried to hit a drop kick. Nothing. Suplex, suplex, suplex. F5. Your winner is still WWE champion. Ricochet was completely buried at that point. And if you didn't think he was buried at that point, he was buried the following Monday when he lost to Riddick Moss, Jobber twenty four seven champion, and then they didn't and they did nothing with him too, Riddick Moss. So it makes me think, what's the point? The tag team with him and Cedric Alexander right now, it makes me a little more hopeful, um, because they're two guys who were both wrong, and I think they can be a great tag team, but we'll have to wait and see. But Ricochet is my number two, and there's only one other per one other pick. That just gets away from him at being number one. And I think we're gonna have the same one, but for me, my number two is Sami Zayn. Um, the reason that I have him a lot higher on my list, and I agreed with all that you said before, but you said something that really made me put him high on my list. He could he said it. In his match against Neville, he had that indie Daniel Bryan feeling opening the NXT championship. He could have recreated that, put the WWE title on. I always thought that Sami Zayn would have been a great story to winning the WWE title. And again, I mean, there's there's guys that should hold the title long, and there's guys that should chase the title even longer and have short reigns. That was Sami Zayn. It would have been an amazing story for Sami. Gets to the main roster, he has some great matches with Kevin Owens. That's good, right? Then they really don't do anything with him on Raw. Then he goes to SmackDown, doesn't really do much until he turns heel. They lose the match at Mania. He doesn't do much after that. He gets hurt. 
comes back. I mean, yeah, he's the Intercontinental Champion right now, but overall, CJ, if you can look back maybe three, three or so years ago, he came onto the main roster. They could have done it so much better for him. Um, I really do believe that he could have had that Daniel Bryan similar story on SmackDown or on Raw. It doesn't even matter. They could have gave him that story. Instead, they just given him good things here or there. That's about it. But yeah, that's why I have Sami Zayn so high. I'll have him at number two. And I think we're going to be the same at number one. So I'll allow you to start, CJ. Number one star that should have never left NXT and why is... Stars. Enzo and Big Cass. They are number one. And I have a feeling this is your number one, too. If it is, you can just say it. One. They're number no, one. No, it was it was either going to be that or Samoa Joe. I think Samoa Joe could have been very close. It was he was going to be number one or not on this list at all. I, I think we have a lot of the same reasons for end zone cast at number one. But I'll allow you to start. Real quickly, Samoa Joe didn't make my list because even though his main roster run hasn't been great, he hasn't wanted. He's been U.S. champion, but. Samoa Joe has always been able to, for whatever reason, just how good he is, he's always been able to bounce back no matter what. That's why he didn't make my list at all. Enzo and Cass, the most original type of gimmick we've seen in a long time. Sure, they get compared to New Age Outlaws a lot, but we've never seen like the kind of mobster type and big muscle Italian guys. Just, I was watching... Their NXT TakeOver Tag Team title match against The Revival at TakeOver London. These guys were so over. Coming down to the ring, back when Carmella was still with them. Just everybody being like, My name is Enzo Amore! And the whole crowd just chanting along with Enzo. And when they got to the ring, Cass going only one word to describe you. I'm gonna spell it out for you. S A W F G. So, and in the middle of it, like, I think Cass only said S, and then the rest of the crowd was just A W F T. So, like, the whole crowd was just wanted them so badly to win the NXT Championships. And maybe they should have won the NXT Tag Team titles. Probably the biggest misbooking opportunity in NXT's history is them not winning the Tag Team titles. But they were high merch sellers. They were white, white hot. They debuted the night after WrestleMania 32. And again, they are white hot. The crowd went nuts. And at the time, I felt like, okay, if you're not going to do anything else with NXT, okay, bring them to the main roster. Cool. One of the biggest, biggest misbooking opportunities, the biggest misbooking opportunities in, in WWE's history. You don't capitalize on how big these guys are. And you relegate, relegated them to catchphrases and putting anything Enzo said on merchandise instead of focusing on who they are as a team, who they are as characters, who they are as wrestlers. Granted, Enzo Enzo has never been the best worker in the ring, and he'll admit that himself. But a big thing that's lost today in modern-day pro wrestling is character and a gimmick. And Enzo and Cass, had, they had that. An original gimmick. Yeah. So, 
to relegate it only for just for a heel turn for Cass, but you didn't even capitalize them on becoming tag team champions. And it was way too early for them to break up. Way too early. And it hurt both of them. You know, Cass legit hurting his ankle, breaking it. Uh, they have a they had a falling out because of it. Uh, Enzo, I mean, winning the Cruiserweight Championship a couple times. Him getting fired from the company due to uh, sexual assault allegations, which later found out there was no significant evidence that there was. Cass getting fired from the company because uh, he was just being a prick because he was drinking all the time. He was bringing everybody down. Um, he was a he. Uh, he was shooting with Daniel Bryan, and um, in the segment, he was supposed to kick a little person in the face with with his boot. Vince, uh, he asked Vince if he could he could do more, and Vince said no. And then Cass decided to say, "You know, I'm going to do more." And then he got in big, big hot water for it, or a lot of hot water for it. And after his match against Daniel Bryan at Money in the Bank, he was later released. And you look at them now; they haven't really done too much on the indies. Um, they made their appearance at uh, at the uh, Madison Square Garden show, which I was there for. Um, so much legitimate heel heat; everybody was pissed. And then Ring of Honor did decide not to call them back and do anything with them when they need people like them. That time, yeah, they now, were gu- actually, yeah, they were guys who you really could have done something great with them. Even if you didn't, that's my thing. Even if you didn't want them to be a tag team, you still could have had Push Cast as the single star and Enzo be his manager. I get Cast can talk pretty well himself, but you needed those two together. They needed to be together. And I think had the Hardys not come back, maybe they would have won the tag titles, but still, you could have done something eventually down the line to have them win the tag titles. And they are the biggest botched NXT call-up of all time. Never should have left NXT. And when you look at all these people now, every single person on my list besides Pac is on is with the company still. At least Pac's doing well. And Zone Casts aren't really doing anything at all. That's why they're number that's one. Really, that's really the main reason, too, I had him at number one. And, you know what? And, and again, it was really a mix of them or Joe. Joe, of course, is one of my honorable mentions. And now that I think about it, the main reason that I put them at number one, it was something that they did on the main roster. Remember that battleground match that they had with Cena against the club? Yeah. Remember the promo that Enzo cut before the match? Might have been one of his best ever. Oh, yeah. Cena was even, I, Cena, even Cena went like, damn. I watched it the other night, and literally, like, when Cass got the mic, he goes, first off, uh, give it up for Enzo. That was excellent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's just it, that was one example of the originality that these both that these guys had, and for it to kind of just be taken away from them way too prematurely. I mean, you should have at least given them a tag team title run first. And I agree with you. I think if the Hardys didn't come back, that was going to be their moment at WrestleMania to win the tag belts. Finally, um, they needed that, that satisfaction of being the tag champs first. They weren't even tag champs in NXT. I think if you gave them one more year, they would have been. Nonetheless, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, an absolutely mismatched, botched call-up. Could have done a lot more if they had stayed in NXT. I think if they still in NXT, they'd be hands down the best tag team in the history of NXT, next to the Revival, of course. Um, but in regards to originality and character and getting over, they would have been better than the Revival. 
in that stance. So I agree with you. I have Enzo and Cass at number one as well. Well, for me, the best NXT tag team in in, in history is is Undisputed Era. But that's besides the point. Um, if you look at it, if if you look at it, if you look at the original group of Enzo, Cass, and Carmella, Cass is the only one who never won a title. Enzo won the Cruiserweight title twice. Carmella's, I think, she won Money in the Bank, and she's a former SmackDown Women's Champion. And yeah, and you think a guy like Cass would have been like world champion at least once? He wasn't. It was the biggest misbooking opportunity, and these guys really suffered the consequences for it. And right. now they're no longer within the company, Enzo and Cass. And I also feel like they're guys who who really haven't really taken advantage too much of their time outside of the WWE. And this is before the pandemic and everything. I think that they really should have done more. I think once this whole thing is over, I think they should do more. And I think they really are. I still believe they they can make money for any company they work for. They can be a draw, and they can do really, really well. And I, I don't know if AEW would want them, but I think they would be great in AEW. I also think that there's a success story of redemption here, especially on Big Cass's part. You know, being you know an alcoholic, and, it, and I'm not sure if he was addicted to drugs or not. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, he's sober now. And when it comes to Enzo's story, obviously, you know, he had a very real situation going on at the end of his WWE run, was accused of sexual assault. Um, obviously, at the end, ended up not not having sufficient evidence, I should say. I don't want to say anything that'll get me in trouble. Um, but not having sufficient evidence to charge him, obviously, the woman went on social media and said, oh, he did this, I'm going to know he did this the rest of my life, and he's going to know it too, whatever, but nonetheless wasn't enough evidence to charge him, so he got off on that. I think there's a redemption. She was lying because she had... The story is is that she was in a group home with girls who were addicted to drugs and alcohol. She she hooks up with him, and then a a kid, a friend of hers, put on YouTube screenshots of her saying that I just hooked up with a famous wrestler. Just like... She was was full of shit. She made the story up. She was going to... So she's going to get in trouble from her parents if they found out. So anyway, but more on the story is again it was it was something that ruined his WWE run, it ruined his career. So yeah. I think there's a redemption story for Enzo on that part as well. Well, they were Enzo was very annoying backstage from what we hear, and I think they were just trying to get rid of him. Um, and I think this was the straw that broke the camel's back. And apparently, they say that he knew and they didn't tell him. Whatever the story may be, but. In my mind, there isn't a shadow of a doubt that Enzo and Cass are the number one guys that never should have left NXT. Because when, they, when they did, it just... Look at them now. It sucks. Yeah, it does. But you know what? I mean, comebacks always greater than the setbacks. So we'll we'll see what happens when these two, when, uh, when the hope, pandemic is over. I hope, I hope they, they go to AEW. Back. I hope they come back and do something like... Really, I still think they are of great value, regardless of however you want to people say about Enzo, his personality, and, and yeah, he's not a great worker and everything. Look, I still think they are money. I think they can still bring a lot of money to a crowd. I think they can really still be draws. I mean, putting them in the mix with that, that tag division, AEW, would be awesome. 
Absolutely. So, CJ, before we wrap up here, obviously in the next coming weeks, we have the Money in the Bank pay-per-view next week. So next week, what I want to do with you, when we talked about it, we're going to do our top 10 Money in the Bank cash-ins kind of as a way to get into the Money in the Bank talk. We'll do our predictions next week as well. Yes, um, we will. So before, before we wrap up, anything you know, in the coming weeks that you want to, to kind of talk about? What do you kind of expect with pro wrestling for the next weeks to come? We have Double or Nothing coming up at the end of the month, Money in the Bank next Sunday. Uh, what are your expectations going forward? Um, I, I'm expecting the Money in the Bank ladder matches to be very much a lot like, you know, the Boneyard match, or the Gargano Champion match, Firefly Funhouse. Um, I was, I think it was a cultaholic podcaster list I was listening to. Isn't it amazing that it took a global pandemic for WWE to finally be creative? To finally, I, think I said that last week. Oh, did you? I don't. Remember. But I said that last week too. But either way, yeah, but it it's took like, a pandemic for it, them to think outside the box. Like really, it just it, anyway, because apparently the money to make ladder match. Uh, I think those matches may have been filmed already. It's possible, and their scheduling sure, is be- weird. Like they they they, they, they came in for uh, they're coming for live TV this week, and then they're ta- they're doing two episodes in two days. Uh, so you know they get one week on and then one week off. Sort of. I don't know. I think they should just tape a whole bunch. To in my opinion, um, so the AEW did. Yeah, and uh, but apparently AEW will be live next week. Um, you know, I am excited. Uh, I'm I'm very very behind on my AEW, but I've been following. I want to go back and watch some of the matches that happened. Like I want to watch this week because apparently Lance Archer looked like an absolute like in Ollie Davis from Wrestle Talk's description, a dark like DC supervillain. Uh, Cody and Darby Allen had a pretty good match. Um, you know, we're leading into Double or Nothing. Um. It should be good. it should be a good good show. It's probably going to be in Daly's place, from what I understand. Um, and this is the kind of the norm we have right now. But I'm sure we will be able to get back into we'll be able to get back to live events at some point, and that puts our uh, our double uh, double or nothing our uh, AEW show in Newark very much in uh, up in the air. Which the mad, some- it's. It's, it's, it's just a matter of yeah, we just gotta take it day by day at this point. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I just, we just gotta wait and see what happens. Uh, but uh, Money in the Bank seems interesting, and I am excited for a Double or Nothing. I am too. I'm I'm excited to see what they do with Double or Nothing. I obviously I know it's not going to be in Vegas, and we've talked about that at length already. Um, I am happy to know that they are going to have a show, and there'll be a pay per view, and the show will go on, things like that. Uh, I'm happy that Money in the Bank is next week. I am interested in seeing what the matches look like in regards to the women's and men's matches. Um, man, pro wrestling is still going strong, or as strong as it can be, and they're doing their best, obviously. Um, so we'll be back next week. We'll discuss Money in the Bank. We'll discuss our top 10 cash-ins and all that, mm-hmm. and we'll see you then. And Sean f- McChesney. Hang and on. Go, you, go ahead. you keep forgetting that we have to do this. Um, please be sure to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, uh, Anchor.fm, Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at TNAWP. Like us on Facebook at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Like us on, uh, follow us on Instagram at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Very nice, CJ. And yes, I, I do forget that. My apologies, or I'm only human. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, for Sean McChesney. And CJ Palmasano. See you next week. <laughs>